0: Time in the making. Have did you see what Nikki tweeted today? Not to start off topic once again, but have you seen what she's been doing now?
1: I don't pay attention. I was she's too busy on... reading the book we were supposed to. Do <laughs> not, that to wanna, not that I want. Not that I want to bring Twitter. up.
0: Not that I want to bring up journalists. No, this is on Instagram. Okay. Journalists on this podcast again because I feel like they're often attacked. Now she's now doxing full on doxing journalists who are trying to report on. Um, I don't know, her, her worldwide news of being anti-vaccination. I just thought it was a little a little bit much. And I just wanted to give a shout out that I'm on the side of the journalist, low-key. Low-key. But you haven't heard about this?
1: I might have. But like I said, I was busy reading the book that we were you supposed finish to You finished the
0: book today. Today.
1: Yes, an hour ago
0: okay gorge so did i so i don't know what you are what you're talking about
1: (laughs) you might have finished reading the link on spark notes but
0: we have an authentic following here that trusts that we read everything that we report on so i'm just gonna say that i finished yeah we're reporters now that i finished this book um okay so (laughs) for those of you who don't know my name is rob
1: My name is Geraldine.
0: Welcome to GBF, um, where now pretty much every week we're going to talk about books or review them. And if something isn't gay, then
1: we will make them gay.
0: Always. Unless we read a really, really gay book like we are today. um, But first, let me introduce our very, very special um, audience. No, not audience. (laughs) Co-host and guest, Claudia Campanella. Welcome to the studio.
2: Hi. (laughs) The clearing of the voice. (laughs) Yeah, I had to.
0: Recent graduate of CCNY with a big degree in history. A big degree.
1: That's what they're calling grad degrees now, big
0: degrees.
2: (laughs) I'm a survivor, okay?
0: And you've also written on, like, queer theory. You have some published um, or a singular published thesis, which is great, which we could talk about later. And that's why I think it makes you the perfect guest today for our book review, which is...
1: Do you want to do oh, the honors?
2: Sure. The picture <laughs> of Dorian Gray. <laughs> By who? Oscar Wilde. Gay exactly. icon.
0: I have to say that I was watching an old episode of Drag Race season two where um, they brought in old gays to makeover and they were doing the whole thing like, oh, you don't know about Mackie? Oh, you don't know this person? And like Tatiana was like, I don't really know anything that happened before this time. And one of the old guys was like, what about Oscar Wilde? And she was like, I have no idea who that is. That's sick. And they were all, like, shocked. So I have to admit that I know who Oscar Wilde is, but it wasn't until probably sometime in, like, the past couple of years that I knew that he was, like, iconically gay. So I'm obviously a little bit, a lot ignorant or uneducated, but I guess the older generations, seemingly... I mean, this guy is, reads. like, a huge... Right. Well, I'm saying, like, <laughs> like older queer audiences have a lot of value for Oscar Wilde, and I see well, why, Well, I think it's also
1: because there was less gay media. <laughs> yeah, he was all they had.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the question I was going to pose, was, like, do you think, like, his importance stems a lot from growing up in just, like... The, even the 20th century, not having like a lot of like real gay representation in popular forms of media like we do now, so yeah, his books were really important uh, for that reason.
2: Yeah, that should be. A I question. mean, that's in my thesis, I did name drop, Oscar I mean, and talk about that, <laughs> but he was
1: imprisoned for sodomy, which was code word for gay, so
0: <laughs> that is scary as fuck, too, because I learned in college like three years ago, and I remember I was like the only oh, went to college. I I may have graduated college this year. I does not feel like I did, but um don't have a master's degree like some people in this Zoom call or a FaceTime. But um I learned in poli sci that I had to take the, all about sodomy, and I was the only visibly. Like gay person in the room so I remember I was like so gagged when my teacher who was like really cool like it didn't feel like weird but she was like yeah can you believe that like basically you get arrested for sodomy which was it's defined as like any sex other than like heterosexual reproductive sex i'm pretty sure and talking about how the police would just barge in on you and if you were sucking dick like they could lock you up (laughs) like literally like on bail
2: was also like a huge thing and like any basically like there were a lot of like like there was a lot of like morality policing and everything which like to get to this book too like i think that's what makes it so interesting is like especially in the victorian era like and like honestly, in the early 20th century, too, like morality, crime, and like politics were like a huge, huge issue of like social reform.
0: As you
1: can tell, <laughs> we're getting into this one. we're we're hitting the books. <laughs>
0: well, I think let's just address one before we get into a little bit more, because there's a lot of interesting stuff I found out about Oscar Wilde and what he said during like his trial when he was arrested. Um, that this book is a classic. So this is really one of our first classic reviews. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that Geraldine- we had to force
1: you, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Geraldine full stop is the real classics lover, and I think Claudia um. is the perfect guest. Oh, can you let me get to <laughs> in- out of? Okay, it's Geraldine. It's our podcast, so she's the classics okay, girl. Okay, I book. You- so okay, uh, here she comes up in the studio. I already knew Claudia was going to be this way. You are a-, <laughs> a classics girl, but I'm talking about like an hour duo just between Geraldine and I, like, I am not the one you're going to ask about anything classical era writing, whatever. But Claudia is the perfect guest to really help this episode along. because well, the
1: classical era was
0: ancient Greece. (laughs) So are we reading Homer? I I... (laughs) (laughs) never, I don't know. If you won't even read James Joyce, I don't think that we're reading Homer.
1: Not James (laughs) Joyce.
0: Yeah. Not to trick you. Um, regardless Claudia you're the perfect guest god damn it okay let me feed your ego um and why don't we just starve the soul let's start (laughs) this episode right so I'll I'll throw it to you guys what's the premise of why is this book iconic where does it start what what do you want to say first can I say something first
1: go for it this book is iconic because it's good it's just good it's a perfect book it
2: really is juicy
1: and if you have read the whole book you probably would agree
0: what for you defines a perfect book then in in that regard like why is this book a perfect book
1: um it's so entertaining
2: <laughs> yeah no. and the
1: vibes are correct
2: yes honestly too like there's something that like I love about the book like I feel like it paints such like a true picture of like Victorian cities and just like reality kind of in a way and like that's something that I feel like even though this book is like 200 years old at this point like it still strikes like a chord of truth and it's so juicy and I think like for us specifically
1: out of anyone you know we're probably the ones who know the most about Victorian culture (laughs) so like I think like this book just hits all the right points for us as individuals so maybe you're you're just simply talking to the right people today
0: (laughs) well for me, reading the book, I knew going into it that the writing style was going to be something I probably didn't, like, b- become attached to. Because I, I don't read a lot of, like, classic books. Um, I wish I knew more about the Victorian era, but again, I'm glad that you guys obviously are here to, like, get this episode going. Um, because the, what I took away from it in the beginning was that it was clearly trying to set up Dorian as one thing. And I think it's also weird how this book is all about men. Like I feel like it's so, like you have two grown men who are obsessed with a younger man. And you know, I've been to Fire Island, So I know the vibes of just like these men who are obsessed with the young. It's true. And I think you Claudia said it speaks to, it feels so real. And I agree that a lot of what goes on here, despite that it's, a lot of it's written so philosophically. I mean, I read the uncensored version, so I don't know necessarily what was changed, cut or edited from the versions that you guys read, but it's a lot of talking about things without things happening. And I think that, in particular, like, Lord Henry, that character, he has so much to say, but nothing's really going on. Um, But I think that, you know, we all have that old man who doesn't know how to shut the fuck up and has to tell, you know, like the younger kid, like, this is what your life's going to be, or this is how you should think, or this is how you should be. And I think in terms of uh, the character Dorian, like, he really listens to him, like, a little bit too much. Um, And that enforces... can I
2: say, too, actually, it's an uh, interesting point that you brought up. I feel like that's kind of, like, a trope, too, especially, like, in a lot of, like, um, like queer literature and, like, kind of, like, in reality, too, like, when you study, like, queer history and everything, like, of this kind of, like, older, the like, mentor. Yeah, like, this mentor who, like, is more refined and, like, established and everything and more respectable, even though, like, it's kind of an open secret that, like, he's gay. um, And then, like, the kind of younger one that he takes under his wing. And, like, sometimes, like, it is, like, a little bit, like, pred- predatory. And, like, in a sense, like, I feel like I kind of got that, too, from the book. Like, but not necessarily in a sexual way. Like, I feel like Lord Henry was kind of, like, preying on, like, mm. Dorian's purity and, like, yeah. his innocence. And, like, that was, like, the real crux of the book.
1: Cut and dry. This book is about the loss of innocence, right? Yes.
2: Love a good loss of innocence novel. You know what I
1: found out, though? So, he, Lord Henry also goes by Harry in this book. Um, And old Harry is a term for the devil. I did not know that, actually. That's good. So he has basically seduced Dorian into this world of debauchery and decadence.
2: Interesting. And that's another interesting point, too. And, like, that's kind of why I love, like, that this is, like, a Victorian book, because, like, Victorian, the Victorian era is, like, the height of, like, like I said, like, morality policing and, like, Mm -hmm. virtue and purity and, like, that's why it's such an interesting time in history to study because people were just so, like, obsessed with this idea and the idea that, like, any sort of, like, decadence or, like, vanity, like, will basically, like, it's the work of the devil in a way but, like, at the same time when you look at, like, Victorian aesthetics and everything, like, they are, to a sense, decadent and, like, that's what's so interesting is kind of striking that balance
1: yeah so like this is also so apparently we were discussing the differences between the uncensored and the censored version um the censored version adds in a lot more context and historical uh just background and it also i think explains dorian's character more especially later on the book where like they talk a lot about like actually art history a lot and also like romanticists and symbolists and they talk about orientalism a lot mm-hmm. because that those are all three things that were very mainstay in the Victorian society so- specifically in dandy culture yes. which is another thing we could touch <laughs> <The> upon <dandies. laughs> but so um I forgot where I was going <laughs> well,
2: we could talk um, about the differences too between the two which I thought yeah was really interesting because like honestly like I read. I keep calling it like the uncut version, <laughs>
0: but um, <laughs> I read the and girl. Uncut, if that's what's on your mind is... after reading the book, like if you're a <laughs> well, it queen, is. But... we already know you're a size queen, so okay. If you but be an uncut yeah, so queen, I read
2: the uncut version. This would you around, say that Lord but... Henry
0: is a size queen? No, I'm kidding. Just continue. I mean, He's not gonna a twink
1: chaser. Yes. That's what he is. A twink chaser.
2: <laughs> Truly. Dorian is like peak twink. Like, let's be real here.
0: Precisely. Yeah, even in behavior. Like, I feel like he is like a founding father of twinkism. And, well, he gets um, nasty
1: later and that's even more like twink culture. To that's yes. what I'm
0: trying to say. Demon twink. <laughs> <laughs> the demon twink. Dorian Gray is the original demon twink. Like, he, he is the one who threw the drinks at the DJ booth on the Britney boat. <laughs> um i wanted to ask a question just st- foundational themes before we get okay. into whatever um you guys as uh Geraldine you're an artist claudia you're an artist historian of of words historian (laughs) so the big the big question is um this book argues a lot for something called basically aestheticism which I think you already kind of touched on was something going on in the Victorian era um is that different from my understanding something like romanticism like do you think that this book is arguing that there's beauty in art just being beautiful and that doesn't have to have a meaning and you know what i'm trying to say do you think Wait, that was can I actually of the speak on this well yeah he's asking <laughs> yeah,
2: <so>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 and i
0: want to finish the question and i was trying to uncover this this is my personal this was my for the book i was reading it my goal was like does like lord henry and basil represent like two different ends of that yes or no or is it just like that's the general idea
2: Wow, well, <laughs> Claudia! I, I
0: would say Claudia is slaying this episode. Like that's why you're like, bringing if, out like
2: my if, inner if academic. I've like, been <laughs> la- living for it.
0: If You caught me laughing before. It's because when Claudia was going off, like she was really, I was like, go off sis Like you, you're eating. So like so you caught me. Is- like I
2: could be teaching a class on this right now. Like that's how I feel. <laughs> You're saying this, but then Dorian
1: Gray goes through the same struggle in this exactly.
2: And I think that's so interesting, actually. Though, like, again, not to keep plugging my thesis, but like, this is literally. (laughs) You haven't even
0: said the title. Want to say the title (laughs) just to put it out there? So if anyone wants to catch Claudia, if you're really eating, I don't want people coming for me. But (laughs) well, you wrote it, and it's on the internet, and it's called "The Spaces Between Seen and Unseen: Queer People Uh, and the 1915-1945 New Negro Renaissance." If you really like this girl over here claudia and just <laughs> if you want more on google scholar search me <laughs> so let's get no, to but
2: the- um back to the question so i mean i know that like my thesis is like a later time period and kind of like a different focus but a lot of it is rooted in like victorian aestheticism and the argument between like the new generation of like new negroes and the older generation is this whole idea of like Du Bois saying that like all art is propaganda and like in that way like all art serves a purpose there's always an ulterior motive to it um and you can't just have art to have art for like the aesthetics and like just to have it but this book kind of in a way does kind of have that like just sense of like aestheticism and like you know just like that dandy um outlook on life that you know like you're just living life to enjoy it it doesn't really matter or have any deeper significance and I kind of feel like Dorian is kind of like the tie between the two, in a sense, like he is exploring that idea. And I think that Basil and Henry represent like two different kind of sides of that whole debate, which is actually interesting, because kind of going back to like the Harlem Renaissance, when you look at dandyism, a lot of dandyism was associated with queerness, and decadence as well was associated with queerness. Um, But ironically Du Bois was also considered a dandy but it was a different type of dandyism that didn't can kind you of define
0: like... dandy just meaning you're living life like you're just finding the beauty in it and living without trouble and purpose
2: <laughs> you Is can speak way? on this i feel like i have i get to like um <laughs> jumbled when i try and explain it there are a couple of traits
1: that were like crucial to the dandy aesthetic and one of them was being like more effeminate and caring about their looks mm-hmm. and like I also learned through like doing more metro-sexual, research on this, book. Metro-sexual. Oh, exactly, um, Max Braun in seventh grade, obviously. It's an interlude.
0: Yeah, <laughs> not gay, not gay. But just metro. like
1: the the term like they, there wasn't really a term for like a homosexual or a gay person until like 1870, and like I feel like dandy culture like gave people who were more th- effeminate like finally like I- an identity to follow right Mm -hmm. so I feel like the whole like cult of dandy just calling it a cult for no reason um is actually a really important part of queer culture yeah because it it really was like one of the first times there was an identity to put yourself in
2: it is very like foundational too and I feel like it kind of gets it like that spectrum in a way of like gender and sexuality which is another interesting point because like prior to, like, the early to even, like, mid-20th century, like, there really wasn't much of a difference with, like, how people perceived gender and sexuality. They were kind of, like, the same thing. And, for example, if you were gay, um, people believe, like, let's say you're a gay man, people believe, like, you had a woman's brain in the body of a man. And that kind of, like, conflates gender and sexuality a little bit, but, like, that's how they conceived of it. So, like, I think that that's interesting because, like, a dandy kind of is, like... It's not necessarily gay, but in a way it is.
0: Dandy cult is like the alphabet mafia, essentially. Like it's the original. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. the, the dandy is sitting in that corner of the cafeteria. Like they're yeah. over there Yeah, and they're the just like hair. men
2: that kind of like don't, like, they kind of have this and more, women like, way men, about life.
0: Men just did everything. So it was mostly men or were women in it, too?
1: No, it was just the it men. It was
0: men.
2: Yeah, <laughs> women, it's, like, a different, that's, like, bosom, best, bosom besties <laughs> and, like, You're things in. like that. Like, um. Like the spinsters. Yeah, like, that's, like, a different thing. But dandyism was exclusively men.
0: Geraldine, what were you gonna say about art school and aestheticism? Because I think that was aestheticism. What were you gonna say about it? Because I thought that was interesting. If you Uh, remember. So
1: obviously when I first read this book, I read it in ninth grade. This is the second time I've read this book, but I've gone to art school since then. So I feel (laughs) like my I still love this book just as much as I loved it back then, but like I do have like greater wisdom. You could say going into this book but um you get asked this question a lot going to art school of like is all art political and my um sort of my thought on it is regardless of whether or not i put like a political thought into something um automatically like my identity makes the art political if that makes sense. That's
2: interesting though because that was kind of like Du Bois argument that like in a way everybody has an ulterior purpose and meaning behind why they're making the art so therefore it's always propaganda in a sense.
1: It's like I'm making I can make an illustration and it's political because I'm a woman (laughs) you know (laughs) or like I'm an Asian American woman you know like the the context between like The creator and the art like I could do like a still life and someone would be like oh this is a woman a woman painter right Mm -hmm. so that's just my thought on that whole argument of like regardless of whether or not Mm -hmm. I consciously put in something like that could be taken as propaganda like if I have a value it's going to be shown in my art
2: but that's like basil's painting in a way too because like in a way. He, he didn't want to showcase it to the world because his love for Dorian and his perception of Dorian as, like, the ultimate form of, like, boyish purity mm-hmm. was, like, thrown into that. And that's why, like, the painting was, like, a true reflection of Dorian's soul because it had all of that, like, extra emotion and everything in it, even if it wasn't necessarily intended to be that.
0: Well, I was going to say, Dorian himself, like, is a living painting, isn't he? Like, he just is a painting that doesn't age. So Mm -hmm. in a way, he represents not having any sort of deeper meaning to himself because he lives his life Mm -hmm. inconsequentially. I mean, he does
1: these things. So he eventually, the reason why he kind of has his first falling out with Basil is he literally says to him, like, you taught me that aesthetic was number one. And that's why I've gone down this path, because you taught me that my looks was all
2: I had.
0: But also Lord Henry really pushed that through.
2: But I think it was a different push. I feel like if Mm. anything, like Basil taught him like vanity Mm -hmm. and Lord Henry was like decadence, temptation, like kind of like that morality thing. Like honestly, and I feel like in a sense, like Basil was more so like that art approach, like because Dorian's art, like he's kind of like putting this on him because that's how he perceives him. And then Dorian just like kind of sucked it up like a sponge. Whereas like Lord Henry was actually like seducing him. Yeah,
0: You think, too, that, like, this is a whole other idea that maybe we could talk about later. But, like, obviously Lord Henry and Basil, like, are gay for for Dorian. So do you think in a way they're trying to distract themselves from being truly in love with Dorian by chalking it up as, like, oh, we're just calling you beautiful because you're beautiful and, like, art can be beautiful without meaning because they're denying themselves of, like, homosexuality. Interesting. Does that, like, make sense? Interesting. Because, like, the author himself had to live... Oscar Wilde couldn't publicly live as gay and I feel like he... There's something in the essence of this book where, like, when Lord Henry talks about, like, having a wife And like his heterosexual relationship he's like well you're not supposed to actually be in love with your wife like these are all just consequences of me being a person in society so i'm gonna call you beautiful dorian and you are amazing and we are obsessed with you but like it's not because we're in love with you it's just because you're the most beautiful painting in in the whole world and i feel like something about that spoke to me as like Like, you can be homosexual, but, like, you can... Like, you have to suppress it, so instead you just make it this, like, beautiful, fake thing. Does that make sense? Mm. Or am I, like, making up, like, That
1: gives a little more, like... I feel like depth to, like, the idea of the dandy, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I
2: I think so. I feel like... Yeah, because dandy is all about, like, appreciating life and aesthetics and, like, kind of... So, like, that... Yeah, I, I think that that's, like, an interesting take.
0: Like, let's not think too hard about why we like Dorian. Yeah. Like, let's not think too hard about it. Like, we like him, but it's something cra- Of course, I'm not, like, a gay person, if there was even a <laughs> concept for being, like, gay. But I just thought it kind of speaks to, think about the person who's writing it, who ended up being in jail for being gay.
2: But, like... That also kind of goes back to, like, that whole morality point. And I think that this is, like, I wanted to mention before, like, an interesting difference between, like, the uncut version (laughs) and, like, the actual, like, the original published book. Because um, in the original one, or no, sorry, rather, in the uncut one, um, Basil kind of really confesses his love to Dorian, in a sense. And he's like, this is why I cannot showcase this painting. And it's much more in-depth and much more explicit. He literally uses the word, like, romance when he's describes yeah. it. Mm. But um, in the, like... Censored version. Yeah, in the censored version, um, you know, we don't really get that. It's kind of just more so implied, if I remember correctly. Um, And I think that that's, like, an interesting kind of point, too. Because it's, like, even though Basil is acknowledging it, he's kind of still denying himself of that. And that's, like, the morality. And, like, a big thing, too, about, like, period text and um older like victorian books is that like even if there was like a immorality aspect like let's say like immoral sex or like homosexuality or anything like that it's okay to have it in the text as long as it's like corrected in a way Mm. like the idea of like the gay character always dying yeah um like something like that and i think that in the censored version we definitely get like a lot more of that where like in the uncut version like It kind of just happens like like everything just happens and there's really no like moral correction there.
0: So we have where Dorian starts sort of as the subject of this painting. These two men are all obsessed with him. And then as we move into the middle of the book, let's talk a little bit about where the character goes. So we know that, you know, the main crux of this book, right? The the whole idea is that there's a painting of him, the picture of him. That ages while Dorian does not. But do you guys want to talk about really like the big turning points, like the, in the oh. plot necessarily? So <laughs> Dorian, big gets, point. <laughs> Dorian, we know is being advised by these two people. He decides to fall in love with a character called Sybil, or he doesn't decide. I mean, I don't know what part of that was forced or not, but we <laughs> could talk about it. And something happens to her, and then he becomes a certain way, and the story keeps he's, going.
1: He's talking like he knows I the know. rest of the story. That. The thing about <laughs> it is that we
0: I do know the story. Here's so. okay, can
1: I break down Sybil Vane? Because like yes. this Who is she is and what absolutely my favorite part of the book and everything that follows is just amazing. It's just drama, it's entertainment, it's pure, like uh, so good. So Dorian, I think he gets like drunk one night and he finds this old like theater and he goes in and he falls in love with the actress of Juliet who we later find out is Sybil Vane. I would liken, he he doesn't actually fall in love with her. He falls in love with the idea of her, which is very romantic. It's the romantic ideal. Um, in this day and age, Dorian Gray would be a Sybil Vane stan. He'd be part of the <laughs> Sybil Vane hive. But back then, he couldn't conflate, like he couldn't, piece together like being a fan versus being in love right he was like so, she's giving she's she yeah he, giving was, right he was he was like she's so talented she's beautiful <laughs> she's so good at what she does i love her it's like no you don't
0: sir <laughs> giving share. Um, exactly yeah.
1: so um he eventually seduces her basically which is like at this point you're kind of like well who can't dorian seduce right um he gets engaged and he's like, hey, bros, like, come check out my girl. <laughs> <laughs> they go.
0: And they're both like, what the fuck? are these gazelles? <laughs> he's like, are you fucking me right now? And they go and... So she's a flop. It
1: ends up she's a flop, and the reason why she's a flop, she says, is because like you taught me what real love is like. So how can I play this game of love on stage? Which Queen. is again a very like romantic statement. Very to have. Victorian, yeah. And automatically, Mister Dorian Gray snaps, and he's like, "Uh, you made me fall out of love with you tonight."
0: <laughs> and you're he... in your flop era. You're no longer <laughs> interested yeah he
1: goes home never wants to see her again she ends up killing herself here's the other thing that the uncut version does not have <laughs> so in the uh eventual like published version of dorian gray sibyl vane has an, a younger brother a year younger brother <clears throat> named what's his name james
2: some shit like that
1: so um and he has, like, a really big part in the eventual published version that I feel like... Mm. I I haven't read the uncut.
2: You're <laughs> just going with uncut now? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I don't know what... I can't even, like, fathom what they, like, filled in. Like, what... How... The pacing goes from they didn't they
2: literally cut it all out they were just like dorian had some run-ins with like sailors and gamblers interesting but like i know that it is a whole thing when he's like with the sailors which is also interesting because it's very gay too
1: yes we know sailor culture
2: (laughs) (laughs) um so like
1: after Mm -hmm. Vane dies dorian goes on to like just really go full force into, like, his... I mean, it's actually kind of haunting, like, when he talks about Sylvain's death, like, once he finally gets over it and he, like, snaps back
2: mm-hmm. and
1: he's like, let's not talk about useless things anymore. And he, like, goes down... You, it's kind of this montage in the book of him just, like, being horrible <laughs> and not caring and setting trends and, like, being the guy, the dandy. He becomes the dandy. The
2: demon twink, literally. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Who controls England. And he. Sybil Vane kills herself. Things happen. Uh, he ruins other people's lives. And then.
0: Can you talk about why he wants to ruin other people's lives? Simply just. He just leads
1: people into. He basically takes on the role of Henry.
2: He's like a siren in a way. He's like luring them in yeah, to like their demands. Yeah. So there's this like
1: whole. Well, when Basil finally confronts him again, he's like, tell me why young men leave the room when you walk in (laughs) (laughs) tell me why this random guy can't be seen out in public anywhere like why can't this like why is this guy's ruined? why did this man commit suicide after knowing you like he has this whole rant (laughs) he's like tell me why someone told me that you can't uh like woman can't be around you an unchaste woman like
2: well in a way i think that like basil's kind of like the keeper of like like he's the morality police (laughs) in the book and like they keep going back to how like basil's so boring and like vanilla in many and and in many ways like he is but i feel like he kind of represents like society in a sense and like that social check on like you know sinful things like decadence and like homosexuality whereas like um Dorian is just like totally off the rails like just doing all these things because he's giving into temptation and like you have to Remember too, like Victorian culture, even if it's not like overtly Christian and like there's not really a religious Mm. theme in the book It still is like governed by Christian moral values. Yeah, it's actually interesting because there's this whole part
1: in the book where Dorian basically, it's just like it's saying like Dorian tried everything he almost, like, converted to Catholicism yes. because he thought it was so fabulous. <laughs> in like, little words. He, he was, loved the aesthetics of yeah. it, though. He
2: mentioned that. He was like, I love Catholic aesthetics. And, and he was,
1: like, fantasizing about, like, sitting in the confessional and hearing other people's secrets. Yeah. I like,
0: love that. like, <laughs> diminish a whole entire religion, like, Christianity, to just, like, it would slay, like, for the moment. Like, just to, yeah. like, dip into it. Cause but it, he was like, like but fun. I
1: never went that far because I knew it was a fleeting fancy.
2: <laughs> but see that's the thing it's just like that idea of just like total decadence like without a care in the world okay. but like to an so, extreme
0: so do you think that oscar wilde paints like morality in opposition to like hedonism so it's like one versus the other right so what we're gonna call it hedonism basically what you know dorian uh, i
1: would changed. call it hedonism but... yeah <laughs> oh,
0: okay hedonism it's not hedonism
1: i don't think so so no a
0: I just be saying head, but hedonism. Oh. oh, but period. Um, and do you think that then Oscar Wilde is arguing that that's a bad thing?
2: I don't think he's saying it's a bad thing. I think that he's just <laughs> indulging it in a way because, like, they're like dandies. Kind of do always walk that line of like what is like too much decadence, and like they're kind of like. Not, I don't want to say on the fringes of society, but like in a sense, like they kind of are like this like embodiment of like gossip and like, you know, like they teeter on that line. So I feel like Oscar Wilde is just like indulging that fantasy in a sense, like to an extreme point.
0: So do you guys, obviously you like Dorian as a character. Right. I mean, I'm assuming mm. that you guys do. That's the question is, do you like, do you think, do you feel bad for him? Or mm. was it just like bound to happen because he's a beautiful, like, is that the message? So all of this was bound is, to is happen it this all
1: pretty privileged.
0: Yeah, like when you're a beautiful young, you know, queer dandy, we're gonna now we're adopting this term dandy into the podcast. Um, In this period of time, and all these people are obsessed with you to the point where you can control their will to live and survive, like, is this his own fault? Or is it just, like, a product of society itself?
2: Hmm. I think it's his own fault, in a sense. But I don't think that's a bad thing.
0: Okay. Why do you think it's his own fault? Because I agree with you, in a way.
2: In a way, I feel like Dorian's, like, a fallen angel. Like, he kind of gave in to, like... Like, in a way, like, if you look at, um... What's his name? Lucifer, right? Like, he was kind of like tempted by the devil and he went to the dark side and indulged in that. And like, that's what he is now. And I feel like that's Dorian. Like, you know, every day, like, we're faced with these temptations and like these ideas, but Dorian chose to indulge in them and then not feel remorseful. He never repented. But I don't think that Oscar Wilde is saying that's a bad thing because if you look at Oscar Wilde's life, too, when he was put on the stand, he basically like, refused to deny that he was, like... Like, he he didn't say that he was innocent. And, like, that's what was ultimately, like, his demise. And I think that that's what they're saying. Like, it's kind of, like, in a way, like, gay and proud. And, like, I don't give a fuck what, like, society says about it. Like, that's... That's what I got. And maybe not to that extent, but I think that, like, Oscar Wilde is just, like, kind of engaging in that, um... Discourse.
1: <laughs> it's also... This book is a gothic novel and it's also a romantic novel I think some would categorize it like that and it's just like it's um emphasize like all the themes are like larger than I feel like you would encounter in life right obviously but uh it's all exaggerated right it's a book for entertainment. So... <laughs>
0: I agree with you that I, Dorian is to blame for his actions, but Oscar Wilde isn't really saying it's a bad thing because I guess in an era where being gay is just... You're it's openly accepted as that's not a good thing. That is a sin. It's sort of like it's okay to embrace, quote-unquote, sin, I guess. And, like, I thought it was interesting when I read, just read before, that when Oscar Wilde was was on, on trial or being questioned, whatever... Um, for his crimes, quote unquote, he was like, well, the way I love is like, is a very historic way to love. Like if mm. you look at like um, Plato and Shakespeare and a lot of other famous, he's like, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but he was like famous Greek and Roman people like they there's evidence of all of them being like homosocial. He said like homoerotic, being gay. And like, this is just a form of love that should be allowed. And I'm not going to deny that what it is. Actually.
1: So I don't know how much you're going to say more, but I'm just, I'm just, this is just another fun tidbit of information. We have a lot of fun facts. Yeah, this
0: is a fun factorium. <laughs> I love the it. The
1: name Dorian is also an allusion to Greek
0: culture. I did, I did know that one, yeah. right?
1: It's like the wow. Dorian age, Dorian columns and stuff like that. I mean, when
0: I think of ancient Greece, I just think of gay, gay, gay. I did literally write a paper on this that I don't remember writing because I wrote it in, like, two days, the last days of my semester of college ever. But it was about Julius Caesar and, like, the homosocial undertones of how... Because this is what this book to me... This book to me is just men. Like, I feel like this is the perfect picture of, like, how gay men interact. Um, If you want to use the word homosocial, which is sort of a dumb word, but it's just basically to say that, like, men enjoy the... Presence of other men and like sometimes friendships have this emotional meaning to them that like even if you're not gay like men want to either deny or don't realize is there and in so much of Shakespeare's writing oh my god like men are obsessed with each other beyond the point of just friendship and we started the episode by saying that the 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 simple premise when this book starts is just these two old quote unquote you could say gays or whatever are obsessed with this young boy and it sort of leads him into his loss of innocence and blah 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 so I think Oscar Wilde was just trying to say that like beautiful people like it's a burden but also it's like a privilege at the same time and I think that's true even to today like we get angry at aestheticism you know Instagram people is Kylie Jenner to blame for her fame or is it society like you know she's changed her entire body and face and it's socially accepted because who cares it's not our business but she's always gonna have critics and she's always gonna have people say that she doesn't deserve X Y and Z but it's like well she knows how to use her privilege because she's beautiful and that's not really her fault you know and whether or not she's done bad or corrupt things I don't really know she'd probably I don't care but um, I think that that's why this book for me from I mean reading from what have I read of it because I read a lot of it I, that's what I got from it. And I think that framing it all in a gay lens, right? Because gay people during the Victorian era, obviously this was a sin and it was a crime. is such an interesting way to do it, to have this loss of innocence of not just any person, but a gay person or a queer coded, whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean? A twink, okay? This is the story of a twink. And I respect that. I res- I'm. I respect that. I don't know.
1: But do we think, okay, this is a fun question. Do we think Dorian Gray would be cute now. Or are the Victorian standards of men too far gone
0: from us? I'm actually Honestly, scared to know. I'm scared to know what they thought was wrong. Well, have about you guys
2: him. seen Oscar Wilde? Low key, he was kind of cute. Oh,
0: Not he was a little cute. Okay,
2: Claudie has a type, I
0: guess. <laughs> was based off of like a real person in Oscar Wilde's life. Yes, right. Like he had like a golden oh, boy yeah. I mean, twinkle well, when he wrote this.
2: Yeah. If you read the whole like um, <laughs> intro to it, essentially, yeah, like literally, <laughs> I I annotated this book i'm not i'm like literally looking at my notes right now like i read it like a historical
0: time. because i i'm confused because on my cover it's this nice handsome man half his face is like half shaded but he has dark hair but i i thought dorian was supposed to be like the perfect golden boy so i literally when i think the golden boy trope i think like golden hair like fair skin i
2: pictured him golden. yeah with too. that golden yeah, shine yeah. to him
0: so i don't know what the the publisher of the book was doing
1: i think that's more so like they chose that because like the vibe of the book like Dorian doesn't match the dark vibe of the Mm. book so like okay they probably just did that so
0: the ending now so we get to the end and what does the end mean to you guys and if you want to explain it briefly so we can just get there and how does it Uh, sew in the last you know Oscar Wilde's last themes and thoughts because the ending is very like you know gaggy
1: so basically the ending starts i think it starts ending (laughs) when he he kills basil because he shows basil the portrait he finally reveals to someone that the portrait he sold his soul basically and the portraits aging instead of him and he kills basil because he just realizes he's so angry at him (laughs) for creating this situation he like blames everything on basil for painting this piece of art uh that he kills him he gets rid of the body He still goes out. He doesn't feel he I guess he isn't really afraid of like um, being found out because basil was supposed to leave for paris the next day
2: yeah and like um harry henry uh like he says he's like you know basil's so basic like nobody would think he's murdered nobody's like checking for him really like <laughs>
1: no dorian goes up to henry and he's like what would you do if i told you i killed him and he was like oh if only you did that would be so, <laughs> so sick. and then he was like do you think he might have been murdered <laughs>
0: no when i tell
1: you the last half of this book is camp it's so
0: good the ending is
1: basil dies and then um the brother dorian goes through bouts of guilt and and then he ends up running into the brother and then the brother's like you killed her and then dorian's like wait but look at me that was 18 years ago i look like i'm 20 so like i'm not that guy (laughs) (laughs) and he falls for it and then this girl at the bar is like um excuse me you should have killed him like he looked like that 18 years ago when i first met him and he ruined my life and then (laughs) dorian uh decides to be good again
2: (laughs) all this was not in the uncut one yeah exactly which was such a loss honestly
1: dorian decides to be good again he goes to uh it's lord henry's cousin he like this woman's like in love with him um and no 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 the the duchess
2: oh okay
1: uh and she's like flirting with him like crazy she's married (laughs) blah 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 he's like not interested because he has like he's trying to be good or whatever they go on a hunt (laughs) and her husband shoots at this rabbit dorian's like don't shoot at the rabbit like there's something so pure about this rabbit which again is an allusion to himself right before he like falls to disgrace or whatever um the guy shoots the rabbit because he, he's like, oh, Dorian, you're being so silly. He shoots a man. <laughs> he accidentally shoots a man. He's the brother. They collect him. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like shaken up. And then Dorian's like servant comes in. He's like, yeah, so um, we just thought we'd let you know, like, this guy isn't under our employ. Like, we don't know who this man is. He looks like a sailor. <laughs> and then Dorian's like, wait a second. <laughs> is this? james vane the guy who tried to kill me twice that was such
2: a gag
1: (laughs) (laughs) he's like all of a sudden he decides to be good because james vane has been following him and starts to realize that like oh my god the the consequences of my past actions are coming up to me so dorian decides to be good again and then all of a sudden james dies so the consequence is gone like no one's gonna find him out no one's coming for him anymore and he that's when he really truly like falls
2: but think about that too like that also goes back to the theme of like unchecked like sin and seduction because without a society or anyone to like kind of check you like you just get out of hand in a way and when you look at like christian themes and stuff like in the western world there's always like this idea of like first of all, suffering and repentance for your sins. And Dorian never goes through any of that. He totally lives a life without consequence while this painting that's like his soul absorbs all of the Mm -hmm. consequence. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's why like the ending is so interesting. Yeah. Um, So after that, he goes home and I forget why,
1: like, what happens to him. But like, he basically is like, He has this thought of like, now that I'm finally being good again, uh, maybe the painting is turning back to normal. He's like, let me let me just take a peek.
0: Did he decide for like a day, like I'm good now, and so he just thought it was kind of like. But see, that's
2: the other thing that's interesting about it, because he truly wasn't really good. He was just doing it with like this. No, he really. Yeah,
1: he he has this whole speech of like, did I really, uh, let what's her name go Hedy go just because i was being good or because it was again another part of my vanity of wanting to be seen as good mm. right he realizes that he gets really angry and he decides to stab the painting <laughs> he stabs the painting cut <laughs> you're you're brought outside and they all that you they say like there was this blood curdling scream. You're cut outside and there's these two guards like walking around. One of them is like the father of this guy he ruined. And then they're like, whose house is that? And they're like, Dorian Gray's <laughs> and they smirk because they're like, ha ha. <laughs> and then the servants go up into the room, they open the door and the painting looks the way it was originally painted. It's young, beautiful Dorian and the Grey. old
2: haggard man. And on the ground and they
1: see dorian gray but they don't say he's dorian gray because they're like is this old haggard man with a knife through his chest
2: and then they realize by like his jewelry that yeah. it was him
1: and that's how it ends
2: <laughs> but see like that in a way that's like the ultimate like i don't want to say like repentance but like that's the suffering for his sins that like he just like kind of killed his own soul and like When you look at that, like, suicide is kind of, like, treated in literature as, like, this ultimate, like, self-sacrifice.
1: Yeah. And it's also repetitive in this book. Yeah. Where I feel like... (laughs) Suicide was always the consequence of Dorian's actions. And even now, as he kills himself, he's still, like, the root cause of it.
2: (laughs) Well, I highlighted this quote in the book, actually. That says she that um, that Dorian is aestheticism's first martyr, which I mm, thought was really apt way to sum up the whole book.
0: Um, well, I was saying before, I think that he is like a human painting this entire time. So not only is he beautiful and everyone's obsessed with him, but obviously like he's not aging. So, um, I think, like, it speaks to what Claudia was saying before, like, life without consequence, life without bad things, like, you're just gonna be driven crazy anyway. Like, if nothing you're doing has any repercussions, you know, I guess you would ask yourself, which is, this this is, like, its own anomaly, like, is any good deed unselfish? Like, is anything good Mm -hmm. that you do... Like, that just
2: makes me think of Ayn Rand, honestly. I girl, are all dumb. It that. makes me think of
0: Phoebe Buffet from Friends, which <laughs> has everyone mad. It will have everybody. The Ayn
1: Rand of Friends. Of
0: yeah, uh, Friends. <laughs> the Ayn Rand of Friends. France. <laughs> friends. <laughs> Because there's a whole episode where they challenge her to do a good deed that doesn't benefit her. So she like lets a bee like sting her and they're like, well, the bee died. So what the fuck do you just do that for? And then she tries and she tries and she ends up contending that she never can. Or I forget. It was like, I watched this a long time ago. Um, But I mean, shout out to friends is a bad show, but my senior quote was from Phoebe Buffay. But I think that's just another thing that the book addresses. It's like, you know, you can't, I don't think, I personally don't think you can do something for someone else without you know, thinking that a good thing's gonna happen well. to you, so I feel like Dorian just like, I mean, I'm glad he realized that he fucked up this whole time, and I think that his death is like cool and poetic and like makes sense. But um, I feel bad for him a little bit. I do. I do think that a lot of what he did is his own fault. Like, if you're given the privilege or power to, anyone who exercises their power over someone when they know that it's like unchecked and you're doing it and people are dying, like you're fucked up. But um, I I also think society is like a bit um uh, a bit to blame so i don't know (laughs) but see
2: i also don't think that i don't think that lord henry even was like necessarily telling him to do Mm -hmm. these things at some
0: point
1: he he uh, he stops really being a character in the
0: book
2: yeah and like dorian kind of just took it to heart and he took it down that. well i mean you can
0: bite the apple but if you keep eating the apples like then it's on you right
2: okay sure
0: that's what (laughs) we're saying i would think okay
2: did you guys want to talk about, too, anything else? Like, I know some of the other themes that um, you were bringing up before we were kind of talking yeah. about, like, the Orientalism and stuff in the book.
1: Um, I was just going to say that this book is very much a product of its period, where a lot of what's the themes are very Victorian themes. Like, we talked about, like, the idea of the individual is, like, the prime idea of romanticism where it focuses on the individual and emotion and you see that a lot through this book and then also orientalism is something that you don't get to see much in the uncut version apparently
2: yeah they totally cut that out
1: but orientalism was a huge thing in victorian era and um it's interesting because there's this trope in victorian novels of like the opioid dim right of like escaping yeah, i was
0: through, yeah sorry i continue yeah I like that.
1: escaping through these like this exoticism what where, is like, the modern
0: day opioid den like just the club <laughs> like you're gonna go like smoke with your friends i guess like if you go to a
2: really gringy gr- gr- Grin- <laughs> cringy not cringy like, grungy, grimy club, and you're doing, like, ketamine. Yeah. Like, yeah,
1: and, like, everyone who goes there has kind of been cast off by society. It's like
2: the cave by, what was that? That Plato? Greek, Plato's the <laughs> cave,
0: yes. Is it, like, the cock?
1: I don't know. Excuse me? <laughs> like, you know,
0: like, the cock in um, East Village, you know, like this underground sex club. I don't know these. Club.
2: It's not, like, a place, it's, like. Well, yes. Yeah, they do yeah. Have yeah, sex so yeah. So it's a, a sex club. <laughs> but it's, like, complete degradation. Like, you yeah. don't just go to the opium den on Saturday and then Monday go to your 9 to 5.
0: <laughs> so in that way, and in any way, I guess to wrap it up, how do you guys feel like this book, its themes are have been, you know, represent stuff that goes on today in society? Like, this book has obviously aged really well. People are age, you guys love it. It seems, uh, me reading it and understand. not that I'm saying I don't love it, but I liked it. I give it a great review, um, but I just think that it's still relevant today and why. I mean, simply, like, I feel like it paints a really great picture of how gay men just are, and I don't want to just call them gay men, I guess more they're just like queer characters or whatever, but um, I think in a lot of what it says, it holds the test of time, right?
1: Yeah. Time is
0: a loop. Do you see its influence, though, over other things that you guys have read or gay media?
2: yeah, yeah. I think that one of the reasons why it ages so well as a book is because it has such an element of truth to it, and that it really kind of strikes at, like, society at its core and, like, human, um, I guess, like, human mortality, in a sense, and I think that that's why the book is still relevant. It's also, like, just a fun concept. Right? It's an exciting. It's an exciting book. <laughs> Do you want to see this
0: like ever be remade into a movie since the other film wasn't popular or something?
2: No, I think that would kill it. There's something about reading the book
1: that adds to the camp of it.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I like, personally I don't need to see it feel like, like something about it doesn't translate into film. Like I haven't seen the film, but I also yeah. feel like from what I'm understanding... No, because the
1: writing, the prose is part of it. I think... When you're talking about adaptations, a lot of times, like, the actual prose is part of the experience. It's mm. so, like
0: they
2: make a ma- modern adaptation with, like, Bushwick gays. No. <laughs> it's mid-twink. probably, it's already been I, done, girl. I, I'm sure. some, like,
0: freshman at, like, Parsons drama writing school who's like, I'm making the next story in Gray. It's going to be with <laughs> queer, non-binary folks, something. But, which is great. And I'm telling
1: you, it's already been done.
0: Should we try to go back in time travel to the Victorian era and just, like, be dandies and, like, go to the opioid den? <laughs> Like, do you think it would be a serve? Do you think
2: I've always been intrigued to go to the Victorian? Do you think
0: I would be a victim of Dorian Gray? Like, I'd be killing myself next.
1: Well, knowing your type, yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think so too. I think <laughs> I, would be, I would be one of the ruined, I think. Uh, and Claudia would be like a landowner, old bitch. You would be like married to Lord Henry. You would. and But she would be trying to seduce Dorian. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you would But
2: Lord Henry's wife does flirt with Dorian. Exactly. So doesn't flirt so there with you go.
0: Dorian? Do we know a Dorian Gray in real life? I don't yet.
1: I would be Basil. (laughs) I love Basil.
0: (laughs) Simply the artist. All right. Um, This is, I'm, Claudia, you outdid yourself, girl. I'm glad we waited to do this with you. I don't, I can think of a better, a better person.
1: Where can we find you if you want to be found? Um, I mean, you could follow me on Instagram. Now that you work for the state,
0: now that you're...
1: Honestly, yeah.
2: Now she's a clash trader working for the government.
0: Now that you are a fascist, where can we find you?
2: (laughs) Um, well, you can download my thesis if you Google it on Google Scholar. Um, I would really appreciate it to further my academic career. Um, you could also just follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm probably going to post this on my Instagram anyway to, like, my zero followers. But at... (laughs) c-l-a-a-u-d-i-a-r-o-s-e-e so claudia rose venmo me money if you want me to speak on any historical topics and i will educate you
0: (laughs) she has a cameo where you just pay her what's your what's
2: your um concentration because my historical concentration yeah like, American history. Honestly, like, I'm really interested in, like, queer history, uh, gender and sexuality, like, particularly, like, in the Victorian era, but, like, that turn of the century into the 20th century. That's why we got you on here. Yes, and I mean, if you're an academic and you'd like me to go to your school, please sponsor my PhD. I would really appreciate
0: it. We fully have a historian here for this episode. We had a lesbian journalist for the lesbian uh, book, and then the next book that we'll be reading for spooky month, we're gonna have a demon twink on the podcast talking about... Exactly. Yeah. So it's always relevant. That's a little <laughs> bit of a shout out to the future. We have some spooky gay novella <laughs> novels coming forward, and we'll have appropriate guests. Um, okay. Thank you guys so much again. And yeah, I mean, you could find us at Gay Book Friends. We say it every episode. At Oh My God we're Percent on Instagram. Geraldine is
1: GeraldineLulio.com.
0: Exactly. Buy her art. Buy her art. And yeah, th- this. Let's all just go be. Let's all just go be fine and dandy. Okay
1: okay I'll see y'all
0: um at the opioid den I don't know if that's a funny joke but let's go um
1: you
0: might be a little <laughs> I think but... it I think yeah. it is all right